I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and does not replace your own financial, tax, legal, or financial product advice. Today on Retire Right, we're talking about changing before you have to. Now, this is why it's so important to get a head start on your retirement plans because there are some non-financial considerations that you need to take into account. I'm joined by Eric Broughtman and Emily Guy Birkin. Eric is a financial advisor who works with retirees and pre-retirees and he has done so for many years. Emily Guy Birkin, she's an author. Now, the kicker is I interviewed these to wonderful guests in the USA, in Florida. It's not all that different in the States. Very similar cultures. So what can we learn from these two wonderful, experienced people? My name's Glenn James. You get to retire once. So you've got to make sure you retire right. Today, we're joined by Eric Broadman and Emily Guy Birkin. We're live at a financial bloggers conference in Florida called FinCon, and I thought I would catch up with a couple of Americans and talk about retirement and all the good things. Emily, you're an author. Mm -hmm. You've got a book, The Five Years Before Retirement. The Five Years Before You Retire. Oh, there we go. (laughs) Give us a bit of a uh, a one-on-one on on what that book is and your experience around money, Mm -hmm. and then we'll ask Eric to introduce himself. Uh, Yeah, so the five years before you retire uh, fills a need for uh, the folks who are busy living their lives and then all of a sudden, um, you know, they get to be 10 or five years away from retirement and kind of wake up and go, oh, this is going to happen. Do I know what I need to do? So I wanted to create a book that fills in the gaps for the folks. You know, they, they may know that they need to accumulate assets. They may know that they need to plan for health care. They may know that they need to uh, have an estate plan, but they may not think of how to get all of that done. They may, may have um, little bits of, of things that they haven't thought about, like uh, taxation in retirement or um, you know how the cost of living might change in retirement and all of those things. So I wanted to give someone uh, a step-by-step instruction for what they need to do in those five years before they're retired uh, to prepare for retirement and feel confident about the next chapter rather than it be like a panicked race to the finish line. Yeah, awesome. So we'll put a link in the show notes for that book if anyone wants to get their hands on it. That'd be great. Eric, what's your day job? Who are you? What's your social security number? All the details. (laughs) My social security number is seven. I was early to the game. Um, My day job is I'm the CEO of BFG Financial Advisors in uh, Maryland, not too far from Washington, D.C. And we have been managing wealth for Americans across the country now for almost 30 years. Uh, I also uh, am the president of a consulting group and a media company. And the media company, uh, we, we podcast and we've written books. And my most recent book, which marries to the podcast, is called Don't Retire, Graduate. 
And it's written to be a path to financial freedom starting wherever you are. So uh, it's written like a college curriculum where you can show up as a, as a freshman or you can show up as a transfer student in your junior or senior year. So for folks who are in their 20s, it's going to talk about um, choosing your first employee benefits, dealing with student debt, some budgeting and so forth. As we move into sophomore year, it's about um, the things to plan for if you're going to get married or if you're going to have children or when you're going to buy your first home and so forth. Um, into junior year, it's about the art of investing. And I, I like to call it the art and science of investing because there's a little bit of both. And then by the time you get to senior year, you're talking about legacy. You're talking about what you're going to do after you, uh, quote unquote, graduate into retirement. And the idea is not to retreat or surrender, but in fact, to be moving towards something, to celebrate it and to stay busy, even if it's not for, for profit. And I will say, we are talking with Americans and there is a completely different money system, completely different legislations and all that stuff. So we're not going to get too deep into the weeds of products or tax law or anything. But this is really an encouraging chat that we can zoom out and have a think about the concepts and the human side of retirement. And uh, these guys may share some of their own stories along the way. But I thought I would first ask... Emily, and I'll ask both of you this, what does retirement mean to you? Oh, um, so I personally don't have any specific plan to retire. Um, my goal is someday to only do the work that I really, really enjoy. Uh, and so that's because I love what I do. I, I get up every morning and I know that I'm going to be writing that day. And that's just exciting to me. Um, now there are days where I write things that I'm less interested in. And someday I hope to not have to take those jobs. Um, for someone like my husband, who he works um, a corporate job, um, for him, retirement is going to be the point at which where he feels financially confident to be able to spend his days doing whatever he wants. And so that might mean um, he actually really enjoys his job. He's a mechanical engineer. Um, he nerds out on engines. Um, so he really enjoys that, but he does not necessarily enjoy, you know, the kind of office politics that come with it. So, you know, retirement for him might end up meaning consulting because he gets to do the fun stuff and, and you know, just drop in and drop out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> when yeah. once uh, the, the weirdness starts over the coffee. Um, and so, uh, and I think that that's, a helpful way for people to think about retirement as instead of it being like a, a cessation of work, it's about um, no longer doing the work you don't like. Mm. You've had, you know, 20 minutes now to think of an answer to that question, but what does retirement mean to you, Eric? For me, the definition of retirement is antiquated. And I believe retirement should be the absence of needing to work, not the absence of work. And so much like Emily said, where you're doing the things that you love, I believe retirement is that moment where you're financially independent and work is truly optional. At which point, I would ask, why are you even thinking about retiring? Why? If you love what you do, keep doing it. If you love it and you're capable and, and functional at it, keep doing it. Maybe do a little less of it or only take the projects you love or maybe you do shift to a more of a consulting role. It's really important to have a reason to get up every morning. It doesn't have to be for money. If you're financially independent and you want to be a consummate volunteer, great. But if you have spent 50 years of your life building a Vitae and a resume and a, and a career with a network and everything else, don't just quit. It makes no sense. You've, you've worked your entire life to get to the pinnacle 
in most cultures around the world, the elders are the most revered. They're the ones with the nicest tent. <laughs> We're talking about people who literally quit and are put out to pasture because they're no longer considered useful, and that's absurd. That, that's a real problem in the Western world, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a serious problem. It actually started in Germany. Really? It started in Germany. The concept of retirement, I, I believe, was created by Otto von Bismarck. And Otto von Bismarck created retirement as a way to literally get people to disappear. And there was this landscape of retirement that basically said people should be um, satisfied with the retirement they're sent into. I mean, this was being done to people, not with or for them. Mm. Um, and This then, was the 19th century, just to... It to was, eight, it was 18, 1840-something. Mm. But then even you look ahead to the early 20th century, um, the Oslers who founded Johns Hopkins in Baltimore, uh, my hometown, had a, a prescriptive uh, time frame for your working years. And they considered the years uh, between 20 and 40 to be abundant. The years between 40 to 60, they called you tolerable... <laughs> And past 60, you were basically useless. Well, that's a, a, an absurd concept 100 years later. Yeah. So, you know, what do we need to change? How do we change the narrative? So if someone's listening and they might be facing a bit of ageism, like have you guys had any direct, I guess, I don't know, exposure to some... Well, you've probably had lots of clients that you've helped retire, financially speaking, and transition... Like, are some people leaving the workforce because they feel that this is a young person's world now and I, I, I'm I, not wanted here? And like, I, I don't know that it's that. Um, I'm certainly, certainly there are some of those scenarios. I think people retire because they think that's what they're programmed to think they're supposed to do. Mm. You know, this it, it's kind of like, a linear, a linear conversation where, oh, after, after, uh, after grade school, you go to university. Well, not everyone necessarily should, but it feels like the thing you're supposed to do. And I think retirement is one of those things you're supposed to do. And it's the only milestone of which I'm aware prior to death. Mm. And that's not worth making that next. I, I don't, I don't think I want to look forward to that. So in, in Australia, if uh, you turn age 67 and you're under the thresholds of assets, you get the government age pension mm-hmm. and which is an awesome safety net and whatnot. Now, I've been telling my listeners for years, like realistically at this era and this time, if you're under age, we'll even say if you're under age 45 or 50 listening to this, you have got no excuse because you've got the next 20 years to really get your act together financially. Mm-hmm. It It's never too late until it is. Uh, you know, we might talk about that in a, in a money sense uh, soon, but So in Australia, there's this line in the sand, which is retirement age, Mm -hmm. which is, it was age 65, but it's now moved to age 67 because they're pushing it out more as we get old and have more Mm -hmm. self-funded retirees. But I used to tell my clients, you can actually retire tomorrow from the workforce. The question is, what's going to fund your life? Mm -hmm. Uh, And I mean, because it's, it's this whole fallacy that there isn't actually a retirement age. Mm-hmm. 
Have you done much research in your writing around the psychology of that stuff, Emily? There is a lot of that. Uh, so in America, we've got the social security system uh, and you are eligible to take social security benefits as early as age 62. Um, but your full retirement age, when you get the full benefits, is somewhere between age 66 and 67, depending on what year you were born. Uh, similar thing. Where yeah. It started off at 65 and has been creeping up. And there are many people who think of it as, okay, it's 62, I can get those benefits so I can retire, so I can keep, I can, you know, that's it. That's, that's what we do now. And there are a couple of reasons why people think that way. Um, some of it is, you know, just there's, there's this uh, kind of culture of hatred of work. Um, it's, uh, you know, the, the sense that work is a grind. It's, it's awful. You just need to get through it and grit your teeth until you can get to the happy years. Some of it has to do with um, there is this idea that you want to maximize the money you get from Social Security. And there's this sense that if you die too young, you're not going to get as much money from Social Security if you were to wait until your full retirement age. Because if you take uh, the Social Security at age 62, the amount you get per month is uh, reduced by as much as 30%. Right. So the longer you hold off, the, the more long, that you the get. The more that you get. Yeah. But there's a what's known as a break-even point. Um, and actually, Social Security um, is no longer allowed to show people the break-even point because it was giving people the wrong idea. Wow. Um, but uh, so, but people will think like, oh, the break-even point is generally around 72 or 74. Uh, and so people are, are sitting there thinking like, oh, well, you know, my dad died at 71, so I don't want to miss out on money. The problem is they're looking at it the wrong way. They're, they're, the only way to win that scenario is to die young. Yeah. <laughs> is that really how you want to want to live your life? Yeah. And so that is kind of that psychology is people's mon people's mindsets kind of get scrambled when you bring money into the mix. And you see it in everything. So there's uh, there was a study where uh, they were giving away free tattoos um, to people. And there were people who didn't even know what tattoo they wanted, but they got in line for the free tattoo because it was free. Mm. It was like, this is a permanent body modification and you're willing to do this <laughs> so because it's where, free. Is, is that an exhibitor here? Where, where is that? <laughs> More importantly, where did you get yours? <laughs> yeah, <that's right. laughs> I paid for my tattoo. <laughs> it's still ill thought out, but, yeah. um, and so the same thing happens with social security with, I'm sure with the, with the, um, uh, government age pension, uh, in Australia, where there is this sense of this is free money money mm. because you're not working for it, even though it is your money. You know, you have uh, paid into the system by working. Uh, and so because of that, people are like, all right, how do I get, how do I get a, my hands on that free money? Um, without really thinking about the costs, um, because there are costs even to free things. Um, and, and as I said, these aren't free and that kind of just scrambles our decision-making, um, abilities. And particularly if you're in a situation where you're, uh, working at a toxic job, you know, you're, you're trying to get away from a bad boss. And so you're like, screw it. I'm going to just, you know, <laughs> I'll retire at 62 well, and die in 10 years. And a, a lot of it is the psychology of it because, you know, I've recently, uh, taken my parents to a financial advisor to move their wealth out of accumulation phase into pension phase. And we've had to sit dad down and say, stop working. Like it was more of the habit thing and the want and the, and all that stuff. And we can get into that, but it's this common theme that's so ingrained. It's like, I need to do everything possible to get that free money from the government. Mm -hmm. But the fallacy is people and as in, in Australia, if you had wealth over the threshold, 
So call it 850,000 or whatever the threshold is. I don't have it right at hand. And you could get some Centrelink, it's called Centrelink in Australia, benefits if you had $50,000 less or whatever. People would want to give the money away, <laughs> give 30 or 40 or 50 grand away to get $1,200 a year mm-hmm. extra from the government. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And But that's just a human nature thing, right? Yeah. Uh, if you've ever seen, there's a, a, a an old movie called Super Troopers. Yes. Okay. There's there's a, the brain trust of the group in that in that movie. Uh, is a guy named Farva. And there's a point where he's uh, um, filling his uh, his tank um, uh, with gas, and there's a sign that says um, spend. I don't know, $25 on gas, get a free hot dog. And he fills his tank and it gets up to like $23 and change. And so he he, he uh, puts extra gas into the trash can so he can get a free <laughs> hot dog. And and I remember watching this in the theater going like, how much does a hot dog cost? Come on, Farva. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, that is, you're right, it's human nature. There's this like, oh, well, if I hit that dinger, mm. I, I get something free. Yeah. Uh, and it turns off our like logical uh, faculties, our ability to like do the cost-benefit analysis of, is this worth what I'm doing? Yeah, so in Australia, there's gifting limits. So you can only give away $30,000 over a five-year period. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Otherwise, if you gave $50,000 away, they'll still deem that $50,000 as yours. Mm -hmm, But mm -hmm. um, how have you, uh, Eric, helped coach people around this psychology of don't give money away, a big amount of money away, to get a small amount back? Fortunately, most of the most of the clients we work with have a, an abundance mindset as opposed to a scarcity mindset. And actually, in a lot of cases, we're trying, it's, it's going to sound counterintuitive, but in a lot of cases, we're trying to get them to utilize the money they've saved and invested, including giving some away, just because they're going to die with it. Yeah. Um, and you can't, I have yet to find anyone who, who's in, uh, figured out a way to take it with them. Mm. So as a result... It, I'll so, try. Yeah, no, listen, <laughs> I, 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 you, you entrust it to me and I'll write you a personal check and put it in your, in your uh, coffin. Yeah. Um, the, the reality is that most, most retirees are at the ends of, of the spectrum. They're either wealthy enough that they can't spend their abundance... Or they're close enough to financial ruin that every dollar counts. Every mm. dollar matters. They're yeah. really... It's all know, or it's, nothing almost. It, it, yeah. Almost. There, there are people who are hitting financial independence and people who aren't. It's a very binary conversation. Mm. So if you've reached financial independence, then the key is to stay there. Mm. And that is decision making, but it's a very scary thing. You and I don't yet know what it's like to be at an age where we either can't or don't expect to make more money. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I don't know what it would feel like to wake up tomorrow knowing that whatever I have is all I'm going to have, and now I have to treat it very differently. A market correction is something you experience very differently when you're earning and depositing than when you're retired potentially and withdrawing. And so not just mathematically, but psychologically, to stay in that abundance mentality is so, so important. Mm. So I, I think it's it's coaching people to understand what they can spend, what is a healthy uh, rate of, of spending, and making sure they're not going over or under. Okay, here's a question. And I only say this because I've experienced it very recently with a, a, an extended family member. Uh, they were getting some advice and basically self-funded. So 
the social security benefits in Australia, they like taper. So, mm -hmm. you know, you might have the threshold where you get a dollar a fortnight or bi-weekly for you guys. <laughs> you, you might get a dollar a fortnight, you're, you've ticked the box and then you get the healthcare cards and all the, the goodies and all that, which is fine. And so as it tapers, you know, family members of mine, they've recently retired, they're just not spending their money. And the advisor said, hey guys, like, go on a holiday. Like, please, just, you've literally, we can show you here, you could spend an extra $30,000 a year for the next 20 years and it'll all be good. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I was thinking, at what point, and it's hard to plan for the unexpected, right? Um, it's hard to plan aged care and, and whatnot. But do we just, with our retirement nest egg, is the goal to completely deplete and live off it, which it might be, that's cool. Or do we have to have some prudent planning to say, well, I own the house outright. And if one of us need to go into aged care or there is a medical event, sure, it might be okay to be a little bit heavy on the asset side for medical costs. I mean, how do we dance this dance that we don't know the, so the steps to? <laughs> I, what I have noticed is that um, when people are fearful about spending money in retirement or spending money in general, what they're really afraid of is that they're not going to be able to handle what comes at them. And so once you kind of recognize that, you can start looking at like, okay, what can't you handle? Because there are going to be some things, Eric has talked before um, um, in other uh, places about the events that you can't yourself weather. And so that's when you need to have um, other assets. So things like insurance, you know, other uh, annuitization, other ways of handling things. But once you start looking at it like that, like what is it that I can't personally handle and what can I personally handle and recognize that you have that capability. Uh, I like to remind people that you are not trying to get enough money that your money can handle anything because that's putting your money behind the driver's seat uh, and it, it's money. It's not you. Whereas you can handle things. I mean, you've survived all the way up to this point. So clearly <laughs> you're doing something right. And so you can uh, rely on whatever skills, whatever um, knowledge, whatever resilience you have, whether that's financial resilience, work resilience, emotional resilience, whatever, um, to be able to handle the things that are scaring you about the idea of, of spending money. And that is the dealing with that mindset is the work of a lifetime. I mean, people who are very much um, entrenched in that um, lack of abundance mindset, that sense of like, if I spend it, it'll be gone and I'll be a bag lady. Mm -hmm. um, if I spend it and then there's a, um, a health emergency, it's it's going to be awful. Um, is It's not an easy thing to do. But if you start looking at it as like, um, I know I can handle this. What can I handle? How can I hedge my bets to make sure that there's something in place to protect me if that, that big event happens? Yeah. I think there's also unique situations for every individual, every couple, every family. Your desire to spend your last dollar on your last puff of oxygen is fine if you are not married or you're widowed, uh, if you don't have children, if you don't have other priorities that you want to satisfy potentially even beyond your lifetime, be it philanthropy or be it you know, personal. I generally don't like to see people plan for that under most circumstances because I do think that multi-generational planning and uh, wealth that can um, continue to grow, particularly if it can grow in a tax-favored way, 
does create uh, even further abundance for family. There are lots of schools of thought there. Mm. No one wants to ruin their kid who's 23 with so much money that they no longer have, they're not industrious anymore, for example. So, but there's, there's ways to plan around that. And I, I think it's, I think it's helpful to not plan to run out of money because we don't know when we're going to run out of oxygen. Mm. If you tell me I have enough money until my 88th birthday and I'm going to be great, my 89th birthday will not be joyful. Mm. And so I'd rather see people plan as if they're going to need to rely on the money forever, but live like they might die tomorrow. In other words, enjoy yourself, take the trip, do the things that, that bring you joy um, Buy the many, damn car. Seriously, too, too <laughs> many people. Too many people do not spend um, anything, and they never take the trip. And that, to me, is a very sad ending to what could be a life well lived. It makes no sense to me. So that actually reminds me of something that my my father used to say. So uh, my father was a financial planner, and uh, I did not realize this growing up that I was a money nerd. I, I my I, apparently my sister's eyes were glazing over while I was going, Dad, tell me more about that. But one of his things was he would talk about um, getting a refund, uh, tax refund. I don't know exactly how taxes work in Australia. Oh, same, same, same. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And so he used to say the ideal tax refund is five hundred dollars. And he had, he had a reason for this. Like, he would explain it. You know, I'm eight years old going like, yeah, yeah. Uh, and the reason for that is he's like, well, ideally, you wouldn't owe anything and you wouldn't be getting anything back. But we don't live in an ideal world. In the world we live in, we need to hedge our bets. Um, and so if you're aiming for a $500 refund, that means that you are hedging your bets and you're not going to be in a position where you owe, even if you, you know, forget to carry a two or make a mistake or miss something. And so I think of retirement planning in a similar way, even if you're of the mindset of, um, you know, what, I want to want to spend it all before I die. If you think of it as like, you know what, the ideal situation is going to be that $500 refund, the, the uh, uh, retirement planning version of that, that means not only are you going to hedge your bets against the, the possibility of living to be 110, you also uh, ensure that there's a, a little bit of fun money because that's the other nice thing about the $500 refund is like you can do something, a little something fun with it. Um, whereas, and with, the, with uh, your legacy, you can, you know, leave it to something that is important to you, whether that's, you know, um, a charity to save the whales, that's your children, that's, uh, you know, your cats, whatever. <laughs> yeah. It, it's a little bit like a false horizon when you're doing pilot training. You know, you, you get into the flight simulator and the, the, the false horizon is there so that if you accidentally make a mistake, you, you don't blow up. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and the same thing can be done with money. There can be that safety net, that emergency fund, that, that uh, last resort, you know, in event of emergency break glass yeah. account. And that does, that does yield some additional sleep at night opportunities. Yeah, you both make some really good points and I was thinking about some of the behavioral stuff there but we're going to take a quick break and when we come back we're going to talk about the transition if you're after personal financial advice don't get it from a podcast if you would like help based on your own personal situation head over to retireright.com.au click get help and we'd be happy to introduce you to one of our trusted retirement advisors our trusted retirement advisors work with clients remotely all over Australia so they can connect with you wherever you are. That's retireright.com.au and click Get Help to arrange a complimentary discussion to see how they can help. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. 
PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Okay, we're back. Transitioning. You touched on it. You both have skirted around this. How do I change my habits overnight? You don't. It, it's, <laughs> not, it's not a switch you flip. Because uh, no I've binary. spent 40 years mm-hmm. shoveling money into this pot over here, mm-hmm. living frugally. Now, overnight, I flick the switch. You say, you're saying I can take $10,000 out and buy a first class or a business class ticket around the world. I've never done that before. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And and this is the thing that I've really noticed. On a human and emotional level, that eight ten thousand $10,000 plane ticket for the big trip, that's such a lot of flipping money. Mm-hmm. On the maths paper side, take $50,000 out of the account, it doesn't change anything. How do we reconcile this? Well, Emily said, you know, you don't change your habit. And I think, I think she's referring to your spending habits, your, you know, your, the, the things that you do day in and day out. In terms of your mindset, going from an accumulator to a decumulator is a little bit and can be a little bit binary. It can very much be a, a quick transition. I think you have to practice it, though. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And, and so it's, it's a great idea. If you're thinking, you're 63 years old and you're thinking, I, I'm going to do this for another year or two. And if you've planned and you realize you're going to be living on 75%, hypothetically, of what you're used to living on, practice it. Practice it for a year or two. Live on 75%. You put 25% over here in a, in a savings vehicle. It makes no difference what it earns. The, the point is you can't spend it mm-hmm. and see if you're comfortable financially. If you are, you've already had that test flight. You're ready to go. If you're not, you might not be ready to retire. Mm-hmm. Similarly, um, if you're someone who y- your assets seem to be, you know, your financial advisor saying like, you're going to be fine. Don't worry about it. Um, you can start practicing spending mm. before you retire. So for things like um, by the time you're at that point in your retirement, uh, your, your career, you often will have accumulated quite a bit of uh, paid time off. Um, and so, you know, you can take kind of a dream vacation before you retire. And not only will that help you kind of uh, like break the seal of spending money if you're if you're uncomfortable with it, um, but it can also uh, help you figure things out for what you want for your retirement in terms of your day-to-day living. So one thing that um, I like to recommend people do because a lot of uh, Americans want to um, be expats in retirement and there's you know, a lot of wonderful places you might want to live. 
go check that out during the off season because a place may be absolutely gorgeous when you go under normal vacation, but you know, it's a little bit miserable in February. So, you know, go check that out. And that's the sort of thing that you can do and, you know, kind of get into those changed behavioral mindsets while you're still working, while you still have time. If, you know, if heaven forbid, there's a, you realize, oh my goodness, I spent too much. You still have time to reaccumulate before you actually retire. I, I've lived off this saying, change before you have to. Mm-hmm. And in Australia, there's a bit of a, a slang term that you're a gunner. You're going to do this, you're going to do that. And you're like, <laughs> okay, mate, you've, you've been going to do that for years and you haven't done it. <laughs> so if you're thinking, I'm going to start golf when I retire, mm-hmm. start golf today. And I was even thinking as you were talking there with the traveling, what if, you know, because I often think like the five years, like you've just nailed that kind of book title and all that. And I will, I will actually grab a copy from online or whatever and, um, and give it a good read. But that's the best time to start planning. And what about as part of the planning, say, look, we're going to retire in four years, in five years. Let's run some scenarios now and start planning our worldwide trip now. Mm-hmm. So we've sat on the cost that this is going to take and we do want to treat ourselves. So let's sit with those costs now and start maybe going every second year, we're going to do a big trip Mm -hmm. and just start to, I don't know, sit with the fact that we do have the wealth and we can enjoy that now that we've retired. I would add to that, that in addition to, because I, I agree with you, starting that sooner rather than postponing it in some indefinite way does make sense. Um, it, it's, it's extremely helpful to not only practice the spending and, and figure out the trip, but make sure you have things to look forward to. Mm-hmm. And a bucket list is not enough. Mm-hmm. You know, there's this, this idea that you're going to be 55 years old, write down 10 things you want to do before you die. The problem is you could do them all in 18 months. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a guest on, on the Don't Retire Graduate podcast who was great who plug a, by the way? Great thank, plug. Thank you. Shame, You're welcome. I'm, I'm shameless. Um, but I had a guest on the podcast who had a 93 year old mom who listed a hundred things she wanted to do before she died, including skydiving, and she did them. And it, it became a book, and it's an amazing story. It, it is not enough to have a bucket list. It doesn't make sense to to just jot down a couple of things you want to do. Well, a, a bucket list is a. It's not a, an embedded thing in your life. It's a tick and flick. Yeah, a, a bucket list, the idea, and I, I put that in quotes, the, the, the idea of a bucket list is things you're going to do. So yeah. you're going to go back to gonna. Um, that's one of, the, one of the things that happens. I, I think it's more important to have a true personal mission. Just like we do when we're working, we may have, and I don't mean just goals. I mean, you have a, a, a vision statement and a mission for your company, for your practice, for your career, for maybe your family. I think it's okay to have a personal mission well beyond your working years. We're not useless just because we're not working. Well, and on top of that, the, we tend to have such binary thinking when it comes to, well, everything, but we tend to think like you're working, then you retire. Um, uh, so like I'm working so that I can live. Uh, and even things like when we talk about work-life balance, it's as if they're in, in um, like opposition to each other where, you know, you are living while you're at work. <laughs> I mean, that's uh, that's the entire basis of that that show. Um, uh, oh gosh, um, The Apprentice with Donald Trump. No. Oh. 
the one with uh, with Adam Scott. It's, Is that um, what you want to talk about on the podcast now? Now you want to talk about that? We can. Oh gosh, I'm not going to remember. Uh, Severance, the show Severance. Right, I haven't um, heard of it. It's uh, the it's a kind of dystopian idea where you uh, you don't remember your life while you're at work, and you don't remember your work while you're at life. So uh-huh. like, uh, well, well sounds you're not pretty at work. good. Yeah. So um, in any case, another shameless plug. She was in that show. No, I was not. <laughs> so. The, uh, the, the problem with that is that when you have that binary, then you, um, if you're dissatisfied when you're not, when you're in retirement, you don't know what to do with yourself. Um, and then the other issue is, um, you don't know what tomorrow will bring. My husband's grandfather died in the airport on the way to his retirement. So he and his wife had worked all this time. They had bought a, a, um, a place they were going to retire to. They were on their way and on the ground after they landed, had a heart attack and he died. So he never got to enjoy his retirement. Now that's, you know, there's no controlling that. But if they had spent some of their money prior to his retirement to you know, enjoy time with their grandkids, to, um, you know, take that cruise, to live, then that tragedy would have felt a little less tragic. And so remembering that your life is all of your life. You don't need to put your happiness on the other side of retirement. And you don't need to keep your work away from retirement either. And just recognize that um, you want to create a satisfying life for yourself, no matter where you are in the journey, uh, rather than treat it as this kind of like, I, I accumulate, 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 I retire, I spend. It, it's, it's a lot more complex than that. There's the old um, saying or wisdom or whatever, or a Confucius thing or like, wherever I go, there I am. And we think like, even, even as I've aged, I always think, oh, when I do this, I'll do that. Or when I get to this, but I'm the same bag of chemicals that <laughs> is irrational, <laughs> is habitual, and is just setting my ways. And I, I just really want to encourage anyone listening, you know, there's a lot of these retirement episodes that we're doing. How can you start to move the needle? And we are targeting this at over 50s. You might be 55, you might be 45, you might be 30. How can you start to retire today, quote unquote? Mm-hmm. We're not waiting for a line in the sand. I, I've said for years, I retired from the workforce when I was 25 years old, when I started my own business, because at that point, I've not ever had Monday-itis. Mm-hmm. That's the joy of entrepreneurship, and, and it's not for everyone. But, no, for but that's folks, a risk profile but, thing as oh, well, definitely. isn't it? Yeah. For, the, for the right person, that's a wonderful thing. You know, I also also was uh, am a serial entrepreneur and have started companies and love that, but that's not for everyone. So there's no panacea. Just because you own it doesn't mean it's not a lot of work. It just happens to mean you're chasing your passion. I, I think there's a there's a a soft landing that you can have here, and there's a gradual trajectory that you can plan rather than one that's an on-off switch. But it requires the discipline to use the same kind of bucket approach, the same kind of three jars that you might use with your kids when they're saving money. Mm -hmm. In Mm -hmm. other words, if you're 30 years old, you know you have X dollars that you need to spend that year to to pay the bills. You know that you have Y dollars that you need to save for your long-term financial independence. The question is, if you're fortunate enough to have enough in the X and Y jars that there's a Z jar, how do you use that? Do you use it for fun? Do you use it for additional uh, additional long-term? 
Do you um, do you do you stash it for something specific? Is there another goal? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so if you're able to build it so that you're you're paying your bills and you're hitting your savings target, which is really important for some people. Everyone likes a rule of thumb. There is no rule of thumb because whether you start at 23 or 33 or 53, you're going to have a completely different set of circumstances. But if you're able to live on 80% of what you make, hypothetically, and this number's not gospel, it's, a, it's made up, but if you can live on 80% and then you find out that your bills are suddenly only 70% because you don't have a car payment or you paid off the mortgage or you did something, something else, what do you do with that 10%? And I would say that's what you're asking about, which is how do you learn to have some fun, mm-hmm. maybe the big fun, maybe that's enough for the trip every two or three years rather than just adding it to your to your Starbucks budget. But, but that's also like if you're in your late 50s, you've just paid off the mortgage, okay, you might have, I'll make a number up, $2,500 a month that's now left over. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Let's cut it in half, half into lifestyle and fun and awesome. And then maybe throw the rest in an investment account or your retirement savings. Mm-hmm. It's not all or nothing, is it? No, it's not. And it also doesn't have to be equal. It, it, it's, yeah. it, it can depend a lot on your, your personal savings, your, your habits, and your interests. Some people love to golf or ski or, or travel or do other things. And some of those things are expensive. And some of them can be done very inexpensively. If your hobby is reading you can go find a, a rare bookstore and buy a ton of books and not spend necessarily a huge amount of money. Like if, you're, if your hobby was travel and you wanted to do international travel, you're going to spend more money. So mm-hmm. it comes down to your personal preferences too. We're out of time. Do you have any final thoughts, observations, Emily? And I'll ask you the same, Eric, maybe if you're a good boy, um, <laughs> about anything that we've talked about or anything that you haven't mentioned that you wanted to get across that might help or encourage somebody. Absolutely. Um, so there, there's something that I want people to think to themselves um, on a daily basis if they can, weekly if they can't, um, monthly if they can't, which is what can I do today that my future self will be glad I did? And so a lot of times the answer to that is put, put a little more money away. Um, it's, you know, uh, increase my, my 401k, um, that's in America, but my, uh, my retirement savings. Superannuation in yes. Australia. Yep. Yes. Um, uh, but it might also be like, you flossing know, what, your teeth. Fl- flossing <laughs> your teeth. It might be taking a walk with my son. It might be, um, you know, actually signing up for that improv class I've been thinking about. So, um, and, uh, yes, I know I'm geeky. <laughs> Um, but those are the, the, those are the sorts of things where if you ask yourself that and you think about like, what am I going to be glad I did today? Um, you're going to be in a much better position to feel like your life is satisfying, um, financially, uh, emotionally, socially, spiritually, um, because you're doing the things that feel good today and feel good tomorrow. Eric, any wise words? Is that, that possible? Does that, does that mean I was a good boy? Uh, yeah. Eric, good boy. My, my, my thoughts are, first of all, do not wait until the ideal perfect time to start planning. There is no ideal perfect time. In fact, today will be better than yesterday and not as advantageous as tomorrow. That's just the way it is. So get started. That first step, if you have no plan, the first step is to develop one. You can do it yourself. You can do it with online resources. You can do it with a financial advisor, professional, whatever you want to do. But get started. And if you do have a plan, make sure that you change the oil regularly. It, it, has, to get, it has to get looked at. It's not a set it and forget it. Your estate plan has to, has to be updated. Your savings plan, your investment portfolio, all those kinds of things. 
they will change as you do. And even though as men, you and I get older but don't mature, um, we still have to plan differently as we get as we get to, to elevated age too. Yeah. And I think a common theme that, you know, if I could indulge everyone and have my closing thoughts, like what I've learned from this conversation, you've got to start to retire now. Like if you're, if you're almost, if you're two years out, three years out, and you're like, oh, I've got credit card debt, I've got personal loan debt. I'll just clear that when I've got access to my retirement savings. No, no, no. Nope. You need to change your overspending now <laughs> and you need because if you don't, your overspending habits are going to follow you mm-hmm. when you aren't accumulating money anymore. So change before you have to. Absolutely. And it's less about the money and more about that bag of irrational chemicals that we carry around. <laughs> <laughs> Sage advice. I agree with you. They call me Buddha. (laughs) I'm not touching that. (laughs) Emily Guy Birkin, the five years before you retire. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. Thank you for having me. Eric Broughtman, don't retire, graduate. Podcast, book, all the things. Thanks so much for joining us on Retire Right. Thanks for having me. It's been fun. See you guys soon. Bye. We acknowledge the Awabakal people, traditional custodians of the land on which our studio sits, and pay respects to their elders, past, present, and emerging. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may listen to our podcast. This podcast is for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general financial advice only, which does not take into account your objectives, financial situation, or needs. Because of that, you should consider if the advice is appropriate to you and your needs before acting on the information. If you do choose to buy a financial product, read the product disclosure statement, target market determination, and obtain appropriate financial advice tailored to your needs. Simo Interactive Proprietary Limited, the publisher of the podcast, and Glenn James are authorized representatives of Money Sherpa Proprietary Limited, which holds financial services license 451289. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hi, I'm Megan Rinks. And I'm Melissa D. Motts. And like every other person with access to a microphone, we started a podcast. On Mondays, we release Don't Blame Me, which is an advice podcast where listeners call in and we share our thoughts on situations such as what to do if you're going to your boyfriend's family function and you haven't told him that you previously slept with both his twin brothers. Then on Thursdays, we release our podcast, But Am I Wrong?, where we ethically gossip about pop culture, politics, our lives, and your lives. Listeners write in and we tell them if they're wrong or right in a situation. Are you the hero or the villain? On Tuesdays and Fridays, we throw in a little something extra as well. Well, something, something. We strive to create a community grounded in activism, mental health, and inclusivity. Think of us as like your blunt, honest friends who give you advice that you need to hear, not what you want to hear. But we're also always rooting for your success. 
What we lack in credentials, we make up for in opinions. We do that in every episode, too. (laughs) (laughs) We're professional unprofessionals, so if you're looking for a new slate of podcasts to add to your routine, we're here for you. ACAST recommends. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.